Somebody said amen. You can be seated this morning. Well, thank you for coming. We see there's a few out this morning. That's all right. It always got a good reason. Amen. Wonder when wintertime's going to be over. This is supposed to be springtime, and they call it for snow this week. Amen. This, we, we, we just need more taxes to change this weather is what we need. Yes, sir. We need to straighten up this weather. I know somebody that's going to straighten it up pretty soon. And it, he's going to set it about 74 degrees. <laughs> How many would rather have 78? They already got a disagreement right there. But in the millennium, we'll all be of one mind and one accord. Because I think the king will have the thermostat. He, he'll be the one that sets the temperature. And we will be happy with that. Amen. I was listening to, uh, I shouldn't watch the news. I get where I don't hardly watch anything but old westerns. And I know them by heart anymore. I can outdraw the... <laughs> I'm getting where I've seen them so many times I can outdraw the, the guy who knows when he's going to do it, you know. My wife said, hey, you remember that? I said, well, we've seen it four times. He, he outdraws that guy every time, so it's all right. You said, well, Brother Greg, you're not supposed to watch westerns. Well, uh, most of them don't have any cussing in it, and all they got is a lot of fighting and shooting and Indians screaming, so maybe it's not too bad anyway, so. But Fox News said this morning, basically, that America is getting more negative every day. And we've seen uh, basically a lady congressman, she was black, calling for a confrontation, calling for revolts in the streets, calling for riots, and calling for destruction of property if the seizures doesn't go their way. Now, we know the prophet said that the black people, and actually Martin Luther King would lead the black people into a slaughter. So we're going to come to a civil war, which the last one we had, we killed more of each other than we have at any war. There's a showdown coming because we're reverting back to the old mindset of race, pitting race against race, which is basically the Marxist theory of how to take over. It's what Hitler used and every communist has used to take over any country, and we're on the same path. But the prophet said basically a Christian is Always positive and never negative. Well, that eliminates most of us. So like every good preacher, I try to find a way around that. After I get mad and can complain about everything on the news. So I kind of added to the word just a little. Not enough to be out of the economy, but we're always Never negative about what the Word says. We're negative about 90% of the time. How many knows the devil talks to you 98% of the time and every now and then God will show up? But isn't it amazing God only shows up to tell you what you've done wrong? Have you, have you figured that out yet? If you watch the news this week, uh, they had this article on the other night about this UFOs. Let me just keep it up with UFOs. Okay. They just caught uh, a new video, which there was a group of them hovering over our military facilities, checking us out. 
they admit they don't know where they come from, and they admit we don't have any technology that can capture them, bring them down, or whatever more, or where, whatever. But they showed them that they're basically a triangular-shaped vehicle, which now they claim they have two. The triangular shape means something, and then they said the oval one means something else. Now, Brother Branham said the UFOs is actually investigating angels. Amy knows that. We'll realize one of these days that there's another world and another system going on right along parallel with this and just in another cycle or dimension, we'll call it, speed it up a little faster, and they're more, uh, not civilized, but more intelligent in a higher order than we are here. We call that heaven, and we call what's going on, God and the angels and powers and principalities up there, there's something going on up there all the time. Now, we claim that's where Jesus is sitting on the throne of the, of the Father. We also admit that the Holy Ghost or the Father is here fulfilling His Word to get a group of people ready because He's going to have to take us out because the world is going to destroy, destroy itself. And He said He wouldn't let all flesh be perished, so He's going to take a small group of Gentiles out. And not like uh, they teach that Nine million of us are going to go away in the ark, and only eight is going to go the other way. There's very few that's going to be taken out. Uh, possibly 500, 700, somewhere in that area. No one really knows, but it'd be a very small group in proportion to those that say they are believers. We call that the rapture, but heaven knows the rapture has been going on for quite some time. The rapture to us was basically God sending a prophet that he could reveal himself to to basically bring you out of dogmas and creeds, which is what we call organized religion. Have you knows that? The rapture is not something also magical, we're going to fly off somewhere. The rapture is being called out of error and restored back to the original Word of God for completion. We say perfection, but it's actually completion. Finishing up, uh, we'd like to greet those online this morning, those from Canada. Uh, I see they are restricting a little more up there over the COVID. They make it a little harder for everything to go on. But how many knows and understands we try to get across that we are now basically in a very unique period of time. Uh, let's call it extreme grace. I call it extreme because it is grace plus nothing. And since, like Moses left, Joshua come on the scene and he was typifying a grace period to the people. Our Joshua today is the Holy Spirit or this pillar of fire that has made himself known to us that we call God himself or Elohim, the self-existent one. We're in this unique period of grace whereby... According to what I understand, the prophet comes down to one capstone revelation that must be accepted and obeyed, and that is the revelation of one true God and water baptism in the name of the Lord, which is Jesus Christ. Now, when we baptize in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we do that saying that Jesus is our Lord, and we recognize His name as Jesus Christ. Because Paul, Peter said on the day of Pentecost, this same Jesus whom you crucified, 
God has made him both Lord, now that's Kiros, that's not Theos, that's Kiros, master or head over the family, who is our big brother, but he is the head. And he is called in type our bridegroom, just like Adam and Eve, we're type is the second Adam and the church is the bride and bridegroom, which we are one. And basically, uh, water baptism in his name for the gift of the Holy Ghost, which is basically salvation here or down the road 1,000 years. That was all that was required because it is a complete grace of God to those in this final state of reprobate mind because the whole world will be turned over to a deception and a confusion. And we're, we're just about there now uh, where we'll be totally confused of our identity, uh, what words really mean, language, schools, teaching, society as we know it, is coming to a close. Uh, some of the decisions we think that these hard college-educated geniuses are making, we wonder where they got educated. But we must understand that's prophesied to be according to the Scripture. It will transpire. But there is a also another part of that same Scripture saying there is a group of people, small group, that will be brought out of that and basically taken out of here before he destroys the world with fire. So we're in this unique period of grace. There is one capstone revelation that we must have, and we keep repeating it because that's the only door or only hope that we have today. And that is the understanding of who Jesus is. There is only one true God, and that God was tabernacled in the man Jesus, making him the Christ. And basically through that shed blood we have salvation. Outside of that there is no salvation, period. So what we're looking at this morning is basically in our process are the steps to glorification, which we're all the way down to the seventh step now. We're in the process of metamorphosis from mortal to immortality. We'll get there in another week or so. But we're following this step by step because since the seals are open in the book of Revelation, the mystery of iniquity has been revealed. The four horse riders, white, black, gray, what more, that's the Antichrist riding through. So the revelation brought to us was not about how glorious we are, but basically the era or the spirit of deception that caused the downfall of humanity to bring destruction on this earth. The mystery of iniquity is how, just like in the garden, the serpent slipped in, told a lie, he believed it, manifested in the flesh, and here we are. The second church, the Pentecostal church that was perfect, Ephesian church, we find the serpent slipping in. He changed just one little word here, made a little suggestion here, basically changed the word of God. We went down to total darkness, and now we're right back into basically the capstone of the seed. And the whole world is dark outside of a group of people that heard a prophet call into this generation, come out of the systems, my people, and hear the revealed word of God. Because the bridegroom, the pillar of fire, is here to be united with you through a divine revelation of himself. It is only to a very small elected people. Now, whether we're that group of people or not, time will tell. We believe that we are. And we're also in that period of time, if we can receive it, according to the book of Ephesians, there's a five-fold ministry. Very few of us are very few. They are. And we're standing in that position, pro or con. But there's a fivefold ministry that will be given uh, the authority to bring this bride to a completion, what we call perfection, 
And that is instill into her the true doctrine minus any creed or dogma out of their thinking. There must come a total separation of all unbelief, and unbelief is being one word off of the Bible. Okay. So this morning we're looking at step number five, and let's look at the text in Matthew 16, verses 22 to 23. Then Peter, also known as the first pope, and he knows that's a dogma. So what we're looking at is the foundation. There has been an era from the very beginning. Then Peter took him, which was Jesus, and began to rebuke him. That rebuke means he was superimposing his opinion above that of Jesus, the Word. We can get into it. He thought after he was called blessed or gifted that by the authority of having the keys that he had the authority to change the Word or correct the Word. It's amazing how all these doctors of divinity take their brains and think they can supersede the Word of God. He began to rebuke him. In other words, he began to superimpose his idea over the stated word that Jesus said. Watch, saying, be it far from thee, Lord. Be it far from thee, thou shalt not surely die, is what he's saying. Now, where did that come from? Remember Satan in the garden, what did he say to Eve? Thou shalt not surely die if you get one word off. But she did. One word all puts us in Satan's kingdom. All right. This shall not be unto thee. But Jesus turned and he said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, a stumbling block. For thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those things that be of men. If you'll notice, the revealed word always corrects the error. Can you say amen to that? We notice that this statement Jesus made to Peter here was basically in response to verse 21 that we looked at uh, last week shortly. And 21 says, From that time forth Jesus began to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. We found last week step number four was that every written word must be fulfilled literally in the flesh. Now just think about that. Every written word must be fulfilled in somebody's flesh. All right, you and I are in this scripture somewhere. And we are now in flesh fulfilling a part of this word. If you understand the message, you can find yourself in the Scriptures. If you can't, then you're going to have a problem. So step number four we found was that every written word must be fulfilled. In other words, you cannot add to or take away from the Word of God. And since the seals are open and the book of Revelation is open to our understanding to for the rapture, to come out of the systems and to come to the mystery of this hour, which was a prophet. Remember, there was only one standing at the door of the system of the church and knocking in Laodicea. Christ was outside knocking. Christ is the revealed word. You say, well, that was Jesus. It was Jesus in the form of a prophet. 
because Jesus is the Word. So there was a prophet ordained by the written Scriptures to stand at the door of organized religion and call for the elected bride, the seed in there, to come out or to rapture, come out of and be caught up in the revelation of this hour. Once you heard the voice, then the voice was God. Revelation 10, 1, the prophet was only a voice. Jesus, the man, was only a voice. And he understands that now. He said, the words that I speak unto you are not my words, although he carried on conversation, which was his words. There was a duality there of which has confused mankind for 2,000 years. God incarnated himself in that man. That man himself was not deity. That man was a created tabernacle or a vessel in whom deity dwelt in. And at that point made him God manifested in a living tabernacle or in flesh. So when you seen Jesus, you was listening to and seeing the expression and the revelation of God, the invisible one, made flesh. All right. So what we're looking at here is that we see Peter. Now remember the blessed one. In other words, he was gifted. He had a ministry. He had been given authority. And authority does strange things to men. Everybody wants authority. All your politics is about authority. It's all about money. Because money is the root of all evil thinking. Amen. Money means power. So the reason why they're conglomerating all of your Coca-Cola, Delta, all your corporations that have value... All of them now is forming a voice, uniting with what we call the democratic or the woke society, educated ones, and are forming this system that you will not be able to buy or sell unless you conform to the system of this hour, which will be in forms of unions. Most of us work for unions, or everybody works for unions, and you have to belong to a union to work, and now it's moving into religion. The religion part is where you take the mark of the beast or you perish. And people will move into it unconscious because they think of their opinion above the Word of God that they've got to make a living to feed their family. And to do that, I've got to do this and this and this to work. I don't believe what they're saying, but I've got to make a living. That's the mark of the beast in your hands. But there is some out there, a lot, 10% of the idiots out there, or the, I shouldn't say that, God forgive me for that, but uh, unlearned ones, Paul called them ignorant. They actually believe the lie that they're spewing. They absolutely believe it. And if you're keeping up with what's going on in America, politics now is no more than a religion. They hold to politics and their theory, their thought, more than most people hold to their religion or to their faith. Because now they're willing to kill you over certain rights and whatever more. It will not get any better, church. Now, this is not negative. It is positive. Because it is written in the Scripture that it will bring total destruction. Now, I believe that these angels are watching over our 
military facilities because all they have to do, and I think what the commentary said, they could absolutely turn off our system and turn it back on. Turn off our systems and turn it back on. They're just checking out. God is checking out the conditions that all of a sudden when bombs are coming our way, we push a button and they won't come on. God is going to judge America. Why? Because he visited them in this hour, proved himself before the churches and the world, and they rejected the revealed Word of God in flesh. All right. So we're looking at this one now, Peter, who was blessed. In other words, he was given authority. He was gifted. He had a ministry. He was given the keys to the kingdom. And by his revelation of who is Jesus, who do you say that I am, we went through that. And like Eve, he thought now that everything that he said was right. Because he began to exert his authority and his ministry and his opinion against, let's call the manifested word, and we'll call it today the Bible or the word written in flesh. Every man that goes into error begins to exalt his gift or his ministry or his authority given to him by the people as the right to change the written word. The minute that he changes the written word or puts his position over the word of God, he is antichrist and he is a living demon manifested in flesh. The Pope will be the final incarnation of the devil. Because he will be the Antichrist when it all comes down. But hopefully we'll be at the marriage supper of the Lamb when that takes place. In other words, you cannot take your gift above the authority of the written word. They told Brother Branham, according to your ministry, Brother Branham, you should be able to write another book of Revelation. He said, you cannot add to the word or take away from the word, or if you do, you are anti-word, which is instead of God. Anti-Christ simply means instead of the written word of God. So anyone that is against the written word of God is basically anti-word or anti-Christ. All right. So what we see here, the first pope so-called... He didn't want a literal fulfillment of the written Word of God. Now think about this now. He didn't want a literal fulfillment of the written Word of God. In other words, he didn't want grace plus nothing. Because remember, we took it time and time again. Peter and James actually separated from Paul. Said, now, Paul, you, you go on to the Gentiles. Take your revelation to them guys here. Now, we're going to go over here to Jerusalem, and Peter never did get to Jerusalem. James was the pastor. He set up that it was law plus grace which formed the first organized Armenian religion. In other words, it's grace of God plus the works that you do to get you into salvation. Grace plus works. That was error that God separated them and just scattered the Jews, and basically at A.D. 70, they scattered around the world, and now it was to the Gentiles. And all of, now at the end, it would return back to Israel, where 144,000 out of about, uh, what, 9 million or so will be saved. You say, well, how many million are Jews are there? I don't know. 
600 million or whatever more. I don't know how many of them. But there will only be 144,000 of them saved at the end time. So, so basically what we're seeing is what? We see Peter, and when we get along, he was an organizational man. He liked his idea because when he seen Jesus and Elijah and Moses, he wanted to build a system, an organization. Let's build a temple after each one. I got to thinking, if he's going to build three temples, one of which church he would went to. Whether he went to church with Jesus, or he went to Moses' church of the law, or went to Elijah's church. Well, he'd probably started out with Jesus and end up with uh, Moses, because that's where he started out. He started out with the revelation of Jesus and ended up back under the law. And Paul took it to the Gentiles right on through that we've looked at it now. So we see here that Peter did not want to come under, in our language today, we would say the message of the hour. Peter did not want to accept the revealed word. He didn't like the message. He didn't like uh, the grace part of it. We don't like the law part of it. He didn't like the grace part of it. Most people in this hour don't like the message. They walk away from the message because they think it's law. Women have trouble with long hair. So that's law. That's not law. That's according to the written word, 1 Corinthians 11. It's scriptural. Now, when you have dresses down that we got to measure two inches from the floor, that's a dogma. That's law. What does Scripture say? Dress modest. What is modest dress? Well, I think the Holy Ghost, which is our teacher, will let us know whether we're modestly dressed or not. Are you following now? We've got to get into our mind. It is the written word. Plus or minus nothing. You say, oh, that's too hard. It's not too hard because we're only to mentally ascend to a very small group of scriptures in this hour. It's not that we're going to to the whole book. It's to that part which is of us today because we received our messenger that he told us that God is here in the divine presence. And what he was here to do is to bring a resurrection and a change in my body to take me out before he destroys the earth by fire. And we say amen to that. Well, how long do I have to wait? Until he gets ready to do it. All right. So he wanted his creeds and dogmas, which was his traditions of the law. If you'll follow the scripture, we can take hours on it. He wanted uh, basically to... Not eat meat with blood in it. He would keep wanting to wash pots and pans. He, he uh, laid down certain portions of the law. He wanted the ceremonial law kept in the ceremony with grace. He argued with Paul about it. Paul rebuked him. He went his way, and Paul went his way. He didn't want Paul's gospel in Revelation of Grace. He wanted Jesus loves me, plus i got to keep the law to be saved. So he wanted his creeds and dogmas with his own interpretation. And like I said, remember, he always mixed law with grace. There's no law in grace. Peter said, uh, most people teach, 
well, we're saved by grace, but we've got to keep the Ten Commandments. The Bible said the law was until John the Baptist or until Jesus. After that, it was Jesus plus nothing. Oh, you mean I can break all the Ten Commandments? No, because Jesus had a creed. What was Jesus' creed? There's only one God. Love the Lord God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and love thy neighbor as thyself. That's the creed of Jesus. Now, if we can get that one, we'll be all right with that creed. But we find any other creed will take you to death. Because Satan is all about creeds and dogmas. Anything outside of the written Word of God. You say, well, 90% of it sounds like Bible. But the 10% that's off of the Bible makes it the whole loaf of bread with leaven in it. Amen. You say, well, I just got a little bit of error. A little bit of error will take you to the wrong place. So we see that mixed in his own interpretation, we see that brought forth a refusal to accept and obey God, which was the Logos now, tabernacle in the man Jesus. He absolutely wanted to refuse and obey God speaking in and through human flesh, which Jesus was the messenger for that hour. The same principle holds true today. Every age, seven points, had a messenger manifested in the flesh. All seven joints had a messenger. That messenger was the mystery for that age. He contained the revelation of life for that age. The group of people that was in the book accepted that messenger in the flesh for that age, was sealed away, and now we're the last part and now then, basically, we have come to the conclusion. The baptism of the Holy Ghost is running out because God Himself is here, and He has put us on trial of the Word of God, and we've already been judged, pro or con. Amen. You're already sealed in, or you got problems with the Word of God, one or the other. So basically, what He wanted, He wanted to refuse the revelation of the Word as it comes through the human vessel for that hour. We've already had our mystery manifested in flesh. The prophet of God was the mystery to this age because God only deals to the people through a man, and the last one according to the written Word of God would be Elijah the prophet. Now go up here and I put it, I'm getting a mess mixed up, but go up here and ask the assemblies of God or look it up on Webstrike what the assemblies of God, how they interpret Malachi 4, 5, and 6 or Elijah coming. And they will tell you that their system, their schools, and their understanding is the spirit of Elijah turning all the hearts back to the assemblies of God. You said it sounds like you're against organization. I'm against the lie. And you should be also, because a lie is what destroys the souls of people. You say, well, don't you think there's any good people in the old system? Yes, but according to the hour we're in, they're sincerely wrong, and it looks like they're sealed in now with a mark of every organization or opinion that they have because they rejected light in this hour. Total revelation has gone out. And those that are gathered around the Word of God like an eagle have something to feed on, and there's nobody else coming. It's election. So we find out he didn't want to come under the revealed Word. 
That's the reason why in the last few years, the last 15 or 20 years, you'll find people, uh, this group called Follow the Sign, which started out a group in Brother Eddie Biscoe's church out there. Because they were all the books, pro-Brother Branham, pro-Brother Branham, pro-Brother Branham, until someone crossed them, and they found out something about their pastor. So they walked out of church. Now they're negative Brother Branham, negative Brother Branham, negative Brother Branham. Something's not right. They didn't want the literal fulfillment of the Word. I just went somewhere. Amen. At one, two, three. One. What did it do? Go out? You still hear me out there, right? I went out down here. So if you can hear me, I guess that's all right. He didn't want to come under the revealed word that was vindicated by signs, miracles, and wonders. I'm talking about Jesus now, which is parallel to this end time. Signs, miracles, and wonders that no one else could do. We know God is the only one that can do them. Like Nicodemus told Jesus, we know that no man can do these miracles outside God be with him. But I'm saying you do it. So you absolutely see a man do it, and they joined the man with God. William Branham was not God. He was a vessel used of God. Because no man can heal you. No man knows the thoughts and intents of the heart backward or forward except God. Therefore, when you watch the videos and watch the tapes by the hundreds, he stands there and tells you your name is so-and-so. I see you sitting on the doctor's table uh, three months ago. He tells you this is wrong with you. No, 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 your name is so-and-so and so-and-so. Now then, uh, he said you're going to die, but, but since you believe you're healed, go, you're all right. No one can say that outside of the authority of Almighty God speaking. And it becomes so close to the ministry of Jesus, which it was, that people confused him and called him God. He was God to us, manifested through flesh, but he was not God per se as a man. He was just like you and I being used of God. So what we're seeing here is people do not want to come under the message of the hour, when the word is fulfilled in flesh, sounded forth as a message, they do not want the literal fulfillment of the written word. Every organization, they got together against Brother Branham. They went to the classes. Do we accept it? Well, his gift is of God. Uh, he's good. He can pull a crowd. We can make more money out of him. We can have a, a meeting with him and draw thirty or 40000 but we know that he's not a Trinitarian. He preaches against women. He does this. He does that. But we can't dispute that the miracles come from God. But we know now that he is off the word of God. So uh, he, he, when he's under the anointing and gift of healing, that's of God. And when he's talking to us, that's of the devil. Now, that's what dogmas will do for you. you telling me that we got a God that will sit there and heal people and have miracle after miracle by the thousands and him being a devil when he talks to you. So people only went to get their sick healed and get the miracle or the Word of God, but they didn't open their ears to see, hear what He had to tell them. All right. So how many then opinions and creeds do we have called Christianity? 
thousands of them. Now, I'm only concerned with one group of people, and that's the ones that are claiming to follow the end-time message that was brought to us by a prophet. That's the one I'm called to minister to or to teach to, which is a small group of people, and here we are working our, our salvation. So we have this creeds. I mean, uh, in other words, your opinions and creeds. We have pro and con. If you want to look up in the Bible, go to the uh, Internet. You can find anything except your name on the Internet, and you find it more than you like. Go in and type up uh, 1 Corinthians 11 about women's hair and see how many opinions, see how many doctrines, see how many scriptures they use. They go all the way back to the time of Lot and come up with some theories, whatever more, but they always end up that that's only symbolic, symbol. It doesn't mean hair doesn't mean hair. Well, I never understood that hair didn't mean hair. To me, hair is hair. And when a vindicated prophet come without the theology, without the education, he said, now the Bible said women don't cut your hair. I guess that means symbolic. It don't do something else. No, it means don't cut your hair. Now, who's right? A man backed up with signs, miracles, wonders of thus saith the Lord? Or all these systems out here with their intellect and their college education that cannot produce one word in the Bible as far as supernatural is concerned? There's a challenge to every system. If you are on the Word, let's see you produce the signs, miracles, wonders, and the supernatural that's written in the Bible. You won't find one system that has any supernatural of any vindication that they're right with God. Oh, we got big numbers. What does that prove? That many more of the children of desolation, uh, children of desolation, they are the children of the righteous. That's for sure. Now watch. So what do we have? Water baptism. And Godhead is the two main concerns that has to be corrected. You will not make it in the rapture or patiently into salvation without the proper formula of water baptism and understanding of salvation. I don't see how we're going to make it without that simple step. So what do we got? Number Step number five, I put it down here, and we could spend a long time on it, read hundreds of quotes on it, but it is death to all creeds and dogmas. This message brought us the opening of the word or the correcting of our era that brings a death in your thinking and your understanding of all creeds and dogmas. We do not have an opinion coming concerning the written word. Can everybody say amen? Now that hurts, but we don't have a personal opinion coming. It's written. It's God's word. You can't change it. You can't add to it. It means what it says, and God will fulfill it just like it says. So therefore, it would behoove us to absolutely mentally ascend toward the Word of God. You say, well, I don't understand it, but the Word is correct. What does it say? Well, it is written thus and thus and thus. Will you believe it? Yes. If you believe it, then that acceptance in your mind will eventually get down to the soul, and you'll find yourself sooner or later becoming conformed and one with the Word of God, that your thinking and the God's thinking will become one. The only way that you're going to get that devil out of your brain from talking to you 90% of the time is to feed on the written Word of God. How many has had the devil talk to you in the last 15 minutes? Everybody in this building. 
You cannot shut that voice up. You say, well, that's my thinking. Did you hear him say words? Did he condemn somebody? Did he pick on somebody? Did he examine somebody? Did he think something? Absolutely. Well, then if there's words formed, there has to be some kind of intelligence that's forming the words that you're calling thoughts. Well, I don't like that. I want to run away. Who's forming those thoughts? <laughs> I don't like the quote. There's a lot of quotes I don't like, especially when they deal with me. If I'm having trouble with them, I don't like them. Brother Branham was asked a question. Well, Brother Branham, he said, I'm having trouble. Now, in my mind, in my thinking, I wonder who's doing the talking to me. How can I tell if it's the devil or whether it's God? He said, well, that's pretty simple. He said, if it's according to the written word, it's God. If it's not according to the written word, it's the devil. You don't have a thought coming. Well, what if you had a thought went through your mind and you think, that's right. Then you're agreeing with the Word or you're agreeing with another spirit somewhere. Wouldn't it be nice if we could kill that devil? Oh, hallelujah. Let's kill him this morning. Brother Bam said, if you just submit to the Holy Ghost, he will kill that devil in you, for you. I say, kill him, Lord. Seems like he's getting louder all the time. I guarantee you that some in the last two weeks or a month has heard that voice question even your salvation, your sanity, whether you can go to church, want to church, question the preacher, question the message, and everything else. In the last six months, that devil has questioned your mind up here and argued about your salvation. Why? That's not God arguing about your salvation. Salvation is sealed as far as God is concerned. So that has to be a devil talking to you. Does that mean you're devil possessed? No, that means that you're being tested. You're being tested by the greatest battle ever fought, and that's the battle of the mind. Then how are you going to fight that battle without a word in your mouth to come against the thoughts that come from the lower regions? And there's lots of them. So step number five is death to all creeds and dogmas. Why would the prophet say that? All right. There's three great creeds that forms the foundation of the Christian church. And this is where it gets boring, but it gets down to the nitty-gritty. There's the Apostles' Creed, the Anastasia Creed, and the Nicene Creed. I put two of them down because the Nicene Creed and the Apostles' Creed is basically... Uh, Similar, so close, there's no need to write the two down. The most accepted creed that was quoted and believed to make the foundation of the church starting with the Nicene Creed in 325, not 385, 325 A.D. that absolutely brought the separation of the Protestant or the true church from the universal church of the Catholicism, which is universal church, because they went from one true God to three. Here's the initial error. Here's the initial dogma. Here's the initial lie that was told, and millions and millions and millions of people have followed and swallowed the lie. 
The Apostles' Creed, let's read it. My wife has quoted it more times than she is age old. And I think she's, what, 78. <laughs> Bless her heart. She's married to an 81-year-old man. That's a, how does it feel to be married to an old man? Well, we got a quiet group of people this morning. What's going on out here? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. Sounds all right so far. Man, we can go with that, can't we? Who was conceived from the Holy Spirit and born of the of Virgin Mary, who suffered under Potomus Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried, descended into hell, rose again from the dead on the third day, ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father, who will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints. Now we're getting in trouble. <laughs> The forgiveness of sins by the church now. This is not Acts 2.38. This is by the church of Matthew 28.19. The resurrection of the body and life everlasting. Amen. That was quoted from 320-something A.D. in every church. This is the foundation of faith. This is what people were raised on year after year after year after year. And still quoted at baptismal services and initiation into the churches now in most Protestant churches and Catholics. Now, the Anastasian Creed is longer, and here is the first creed sets forth where they absolutely set aside that if you do not believe in the Trinity or three gods, you cannot be saved. Every Trinitarian church, Protestant or Catholic, believes this, that if you're not a Trinitarian, you won't be able to be saved. Now, you know where they think we are this morning. They think we're a thema, cult. Ignorant, going to hell. Because we dare believe there is only one God who had one unique, only begotten Son that by His created blood shed willingly to the point of death, satisfied the justice of our Father, and placed us righteous through faith by the resurrection of Jesus Christ Himself and set Him on the throne in heaven as a token of our salvation. In Anastasian Creed, if you look it up on the internet, the intellectuals, it will tell you that the Anastasian Creed, if I'm pronouncing that right, also called Presidue Anastasia Creed, in the opening words in Latin means whosoever wishes, is a Christian statement of belief focused on Trinitarian doctrine and Christology. The Creed has been used by Christian churches since the 6th century. It is the first Creed in which the equality of three persons of the Trinity in explicit stately. It differs from the Nicene and Apostles' Creed in the inclusion of athemas or curses based on our condemnations of those who disagree with the Creed like the original Nicene Creed. Now watch. You say, well, I'm not interested in this. This is what the Antichrist system that is coming to now to a head will be the foundation belief that you must adhere to to be able to go to church. And you will be killed if you do not adhere to this dogma. Amen. Whosoever will be saved. They put it plainly to the point of salvation. Now you say, well, I went to a Baptist church for years. I went to this church for years. They never did say I was going to be lost. But ask them what their doctrine is. Go to any library or go up here to the bookstore Pick up uh, your leading commentary, T.D. Jakes, MacArthur, uh, Pack, 
uh, all these men that are known theologians, and every one of their books starts out explaining to you the Holy Trinity that you must believe this to be a part, and then they write their book. You're not a Christian unless you're a Trinitarian. We say you can't be a Trinitarian and be a Christian. Whosoever will be saved before all things, it is necessary that they hold the Catholic faith, which faith unless everyone do keep whole and undefiled. Without doubt, he shall perish everlastingly. The Catholic faith is this, that we worship one God in Trinity, Trinity in unity, neither confounding the persons nor dividing the essence. For there is one person of the Father, another of the Son, and another of the Holy Ghost. To me, that's three persons. And now they're going to give you the mumbo-jumbo that they don't understand themselves to how these three persons are not three persons, but they're one person, but it's not one person, but it's three. Like three and one all. Notice now. But the God, see, uh, neither confounding the person nor dividing this, for there is one person of the Father, another of the Son, and another of the Holy Ghost. That makes three persons to me. But the Godhead, watch, of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost is all one. The glory equal, the majesty co-eternal, such as the Father is, such as the, as the Son. Now we found that the word Son, if you call it the Son, sons have beginnings. Sons cannot be eternal. There's no such a thing as an eternal Son. Say, praise the Lord. We've got enough sense to know that. Sons have beginnings. If Jesus Christ is the Son of God, He had to have a beginning. If He's had a beginning, He was not eternal. And if He's not eternal, He's not God. All right. And such is the Holy Ghost, the Father uncreated, the Son uncreated, and the Holy Ghost uncreated. The Holy Scripture said that He was created in the womb of a virgin. This holy thing formed in thy womb shall be of the Holy Ghost. Watch. The Father unlimited, the Son unlimited, the Holy Ghost unlimited. The Bible said the Son don't know all things. That He learned by the things that He suffered. Jesus said, I don't know when the end's coming. Only the angels don't know. Only my Father knows that. There's a difference between the Father and the Son. Well, Brother Gregory, what's the difference between the Father and the Son? One had a beginning and one didn't. You say, well, that puts them almost the same. They are the same, except one had a beginning and one didn't. The Son unlimited, the Holy Ghost unlimited, the Father eternal, the Son eternal, and the Holy Ghost eternal. And yet they are not three eternals. <laughs> but one eternal. As also they are not three uncreated, nor three infinities, but one uncreated and one infinity. So likewise the Father is almighty, the Son almighty, and the Holy Ghost almighty. And yet they are not three almighties, but one almighty. They can't make up their mind whether they're trinity or whether they're oneness. This sounds like a lot of them in the message. So the Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Ghost is God. That's one like your finger. And yet they are not three gods, but one God. So likewise the Father is Lord, the Son Lord, and the Holy Ghost Lord. And yet not three lords, but one Lord. For like as we are compelled by the Christian verity to acknowledge every person by himself to be God and Lord, so we are forbidden by Catholic religion to say that there are three gods or three lords. The Father is made of none, neither created nor begotten. The Son is of the Father alone, not made nor created. They just keep repeating it over and over and over and over and over. And then you find out 
then they say, then this is the Catholic faith with except a man believe in firmly, he cannot be saved. Read it over and just think now. This is not speaking evil about nobody. Just think. The spirit of iniquity that started in Paul, that began to pervert the gospel in some little simple form, very simple, another Jesus, another gospel, from one to three, has now grown, that little seed, has now grown to this great mass of religious systems around the world, both Catholic, Orthodox, and Protestant. Think how many thousands of people in this area are sitting in buildings right now under the deception and the anointing of Satan thinking that by the music and their building and all their unity that they're worshiping God. This is just the truth. I didn't write it. This is just the truth. So, if the written Word of God promises us, my, my, it's late already. I'm, <laughs> well, let me finish this and we'll stop. We got a baptismal service this morning. I told the young lady, I said, now you can think I'm not preaching at you anymore, that I'm just preaching to be preaching. Amen. If the written Word of God promises us, according to Malachi 4, that there will be an Elijah come to restore the era, not to bring a new word. Brother Branham didn't bring a new doctrine. He, he didn't bring you anything new. He only corrected the era. And he corrected the era by the proper interpretation of the written word of God. How could he do that? Because he was ordained and uniquely built from God. To be able by the Spirit of God to look at a scripture, and if he did not understand what it was saying, ask an angel what it meant. Because many of the doctrines, he said, the angel corrected me on the Word of God and instructed to me what it actually meant. So we have a unique ministry which is basically the Omega ministry of Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago, where God has come and used a physical human man to speak to us face to face. And we hear the voice. And that voice we call the message of the hour. And if you accept the messenger, you must also receive the message. Because we'll find out in the rest of this Scripture here, the whole thing is most people will receive the messenger because of his signs, miracles, and wonders, but they turn the message down because they do not want the literal fulfillment of the message. There's many, many people that would acknowledge that William Branham was a prophet, and those same people deny what the message taught. And every one of us sitting here this morning are guilty. I don't know of a church or people anywhere that has absolutely agreed with the message 100%. So don't think the kettle is black. We're all in this situation. So if we were promised a vindicated prophet to correct the error, 
Let's just see what the prophet said. Here's just one statement that we can go on and on and on. He said, that's the reason Acts 19 stands in the Bible. Where it tells us, according to Paul, Paul said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? They said, we know not whether there be any Holy Ghost. I'm reading it plainly. He just jumbled up here. He said, then how was you baptized? What's that got to do with it? Because according to the apostle, Peter had the keys. You cannot receive the kingdom or the Holy Ghost unless you have come by the prescription laid down by the apostle Peter on the day of Pentecost. You'll only get in one way. That one way is salvation. That one way is your only hope. That one way is the only avenue and hope of even receiving revelation or understanding the word of God in this hour. This is the only way that you'll understand and look in the mirror of God's Word and know who you are as a son and daughter of God. The great problem in America today is identity, race. That's the problem in the church also. Come on, help me get through this sermon. We've got to know who we are. We are now sons and daughters of God. And it does not yet appear, but it should have already appeared what we are. Because the prophet has already come and he's already gone. The message is already declared, separated the air. And here we stand gazing on the revealed word of God with the uh, election or the choice to mentally ascend to it or to obey it. To look upon it is dangerous. You must look upon it and understand what you're listening to. Because you can listen and not get it. If you want to go to the message, we find the disciples walk with Jesus. And the Bible tells you, this is the words that I spoke to you while I was alive. They didn't even know who he was. And he said, this is what I talked to you about uh, when I was alive. In other words, Jesus taught them and spoke to them and showed them by the Scriptures every place that he must walk. Isaiah said, I've got this. Isaiah said that. Jeremiah said, I'll do this. This one. Everyone, he already preached that to his disciples. He had already taught them that. But they heard him, but they didn't get it. They didn't understand him. Because in Luke, it says that finally, he said that he opened their understanding to the Word of God. And then the eyes of understanding was opened that they could see who he was, the manifested Word of God. He said, now watch. Oh, we went through that formula. We were baptized according to John. He said, that won't work. What is Brother Branham getting to? Being the vindicated prophet, he is now correcting the error that the creeds and dogmas that we just got through reading here over and over and over, the era that it was built on. And that's Trinitarian formulas, three gods, which is era. One writing said, Brother Bannum even saw by vision the very demon that created the Trinitarian doc- doctrine. It's a demon right out of the pits of hell. Don't feel bad toward the people. Pray for them because they're under a spirit of delusion. And is that not the fulfillment of Scripture? 
The Bible said he'd have a spirit of illusion because they turned down truth, held the truth in unrighteousness, and turned them over to a reprobate mind. I'll put in your notes, if you'll read Romans chapter 1, you'll find out the very process and the very steps that America will take, humanity will take, until they become no more. And that starts with immoral living, homosexuality, and it builds down off of the word, off of the word, off of the word, until we're complete animalistic in this end age. Animals only operate under instincts. We operate under revelation. We have souls that come from God. Do they have a soul? They have a soul, but it's hybrid. All souls are mine, saith the Lord, but that soul that won't repent, won't not change his mind, I will destroy that soul. And the hour, uh, according to Acts 3, 17 to 19, when that prophet comes, which is the same pillar of fire, the same Logos that used Jesus 2,000 years ago, when he comes back and uses the man, everyone that will not hear that prophet, which is God, who is his own prophet with his own message, will be cut off from among the people. That soul shall be destroyed. You said, that's depressing. It's not depressing. It's uplifting because we have accepted the word and already been raptured out of the systems. My God, can't we understand simplicity of God? He knew you, called you, set you aside. You was not ordained to this condemnation. Praise be to God. Watch now. He said, uh, John will only baptize under repentance, not for remission of sins. You've got to have a baptism for remission of sins. Watch. And when they heard this, they were rebaptized. What was it, 1963, somewhere along there? Brother Bram said, well, he might have said it right here. Watch. Why? By the word. What do you mean by the word? Acts 2.38. Washed by the waters of the word. They followed the original prescription. The only only. Washing away sins is water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ that died for your sins. That blood remits sins. The word said the name of Jesus Christ. You say, well, Acts 28, what, 19? Jesus said, hallelujah, and I want to follow what Jesus said, praise God. You're not following what Jesus said at all. You just pick out what you want Jesus to say, and that's what you follow. Jesus also said, turn the other cheek. How many does that? Jesus said, feed the poor. How many does that? Jesus said a lot of things that we don't agree with, but that one we agree with because that's the way I was raised, praise God. There's no such thing as water baptism in the titles of Father, and Son, and Holy Ghost. Look what he said. Anything that's tacked anything else onto that, that is false. Brother Gregory, you can't tell me that all these thousands and thousands of people out here are baptized wrongly and they're not going into rapture. I'm not telling you that. The written Word of God tells you that. I have nothing to say about it. That's just what the Word says. Well, what if I get in besides that? That's up to you and God. But according to this book, we're not going to get in. Now, my precious brother, I know this is a tape. Now, don't get excited. Let me say this with godly love. Now, he's talking to a bunch of Pentecostals. The hour has approached where I can't hold still on these things no more, too close to the coming. See, Trinitarianism is of the devil. Trinitarianism is of the devil. Where did that doctrine come from? It come from an ecclesiastical devil. I say that, thus saith the Lord. If he was a prophet, and you believe he was a prophet, and I believe he does, 
That was the nail. That's it. That's the finish of it. You're not going to change it. You're not going to consider it. You're not going to have an opinion. That's the answer, period. Oh, Brother Green, no need getting fundamental. It's fundamental. It's life and death. Don't you understand? We're in this unique period of grace. It's so simple, no one should miss it. It's not hard to be saved. Basically, all you have to do is be able to read a little bit. <laughs> Watch. I say that is thus saith the Lord. Look where it come from. Where did it come from, Brother Greg? I just read you the nice Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed. It come from that creed and dogma. It come from the Nicene Council, which is the Nicene Creed, when the Catholic Church become in rulership by that creed. Let me understand what I'm saying. You had to adhere to that creed to be saved. And people didn't have Bibles. They didn't have Internet. They didn't have iPhones. They didn't have books. So they took what these priests said about it and God winked at the ignorance and his elect was saved even in that ignorance they were saved majority of them gone the word trinity is not even mentioned in the entire Bible as far as three gods that's from hell boy no wonder these systems, Karen, y'all want to come. No wonder these systems didn't like him. And, and but I'm really being woke this morning. If you, if you want to get dressed down, go turn on a tape and listen to the sermon, Jezebel Religion. Or listen to the sermon. I put a few notes in there. Why I'm against organized religion. You're talking about burning the hide and the corns off of the bottom of your feet. He'd make St. Cecilia repent. Until now, you turn down the word so much that you can't repent. What must you do to be saved? The Bible simply says repent. Now, what does that really mean? That means change your mind toward creeds and dogmas death to creeds and dogmas death to creeds dogmas and the law and if you want I really want to get personal and really stand out like I know something you could take the doctrines and the messages that are being preached by ministers in this message and show you by the Word of God that the message is full of creeds and dogmas. Because I give you the definition of creeds and dogmas. Any authoritative thing received as a doctrine that they can't book back up scripturally is a dogma. In other words, you've added to the Word of God or you've taken away from it. When you say Brother Brown was God and Joseph is a prophet, I think, I'm afraid you're adding to the Word or taking away from it. Oh, it can't be that simple. It is. If I told you, and I was God, that that tree out there is a tree, and you said, well, I don't think it's a tree. I think it's a shrub. Then you're superimposing your mind over the written Word of God.
Why can't we just say, that's what the Word says, and let God deal with us? Amen? Death to creeds and dogmas. And that's the reason why the end-time revelation of correcting the Word went right back to the foundation of creeds and dogmas that turned the one God into three and water baptism into titles and eliminated salvation's prescription of Acts 2, 38 and 39. And that's the reason God promised Elijah that would correct the error and therefore he come out with thus saith the Lord Trinitarianism of the devil the way to be saved is according to the prescription laid down by the Apostle Peter in Acts 2, 38 and 39 to be baptized in the name of our Lord who is what? Jesus Christ. So that's the reason we baptize in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for the simplicity of salvation. We thank you for this period of grace that we're in that many of our minds cannot comprehend or receive or will understand the things that have been fulfilled in this hour. Most of us will not be able to hear or listen or spend the time to read what you said through the mouth of a prophet. But Lord, give us the grace to accept the entrance into salvation, in, entrance into your presence, and that is according to water baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let that simplicity sink down into every heart. And therefore, Lord, then you can work with them through their mind in this hour according to their election and their calling. And Father, let us submit our hearts to the Word of God that is true. May we have a positive attitude towards every promise of God. And you said that a right mental attitude toward the promise of God will bring it to pass. As far as I understand, the right mental attitude towards any promise of God means that it means just exactly what it said. So we thank you for that. Give us the simplicity of salvation. Thank you for each one that is gathered here this morning. May you speak to our hearts and minds by your Spirit. For only you, Lord, can do anything with us and in us. And everything good that happens is from you. So we thank you for all the gifts and all the blessings that you give us. And we're thankful this morning for our sister that is now going to the water to be rebaptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the mission of sins. We pray for her and her family and for this congregation that you add her to the faith and let us move on as a family. And may everyone in this building see the simplicity of Christ in this hour. Help us to mentally ascend to your word and your presence. And we pray that you give us the divine revelation and a heart to obey what you've given us in this hour through Jesus Christ our Lord. And everybody said amen. Let's stand.